From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. We got a full studio. That is a thing that you just said. Perfect. All right. <laughs> uh, we do. We do. It is very exciting. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers. Uh, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. Also, I'm going to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Hoffman Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash blindestudios or click on the patron link at the, power, at the bottom of our homepage at blindestudios.com and become a patron today. All right, yeah. Uh, like Brian said, we have a full studio. We have, uh, I mean, it's a big recording day, a little behind the scenes stuff. I think we're going to be in the studio for about five hours today, so it's going to be it's going to be a long one. It should be fun. We have the guys from Pitchfork coming down, so that'll be neat. Uh, you'll be able to hear them on the next week's episode of Homebrew Bound and uh, an upcoming episode of Hop and Barrel Happy Hour and uh, this week's episode of Department of Events. So, be a lot of fun. Uh, we have Justin behind the mic Hello. joining us again. Uh, Anthony. Good day. And his brother Aaron. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Got you, to, got you to do it. <laughs> Someone didn't want to be in the mic. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah, well, walk you know, across the room happens. to get to it. <laughs> okay, Brian. Y'all, what have you been up to, beer related, man? Oh gosh, all kinds of stuff. I've got. I actually legitimately have two things. They're not, they weren't like all that exciting, but they they definitely involved going to um, brew pubs. Ooh. Uh, which. Actually, so the first, I'll tell the next one next time. That's fine. But I went to, for Valentine Valentine's Day with my, my lovely lady friend, uh, Lucy Jean, um, we went to Lucette. And it appears that they've got a big-ass expansion going on there. Oh. Huge building being uh, erected there. I don't know. I, I didn't get into what the purpose was. I mean, we talk more about that another time. But um, I, I went there because I do believe their pizza is some of the finest pizza that that I've ever tasted, other than Justin's pizza. Mm, Justin, Justin makes thank pretty you. great pizza. You know, sometimes you just got to blow smoke, Brian. That's fine. Like, <sighs> I really do legitimately like <laughs> Justin's pizza because he throws like all of like. There's so many toppings on it. Like it's, it, and that's what I that's what I like. I don't like it when it's naked of toppings. Like you got to have like everything on it. So I got so I got the meat sweats is what it's called at at mm-hmm. Lucette, which is delicious. What's their specialty pizza right now? Boy, I don't know. I I don't know. I was so hungry that I just I we got the bruschetta sticks things, which were really uh, cool and, and delicious. And then um, meat sweats, and then that was it. And then I drank two pints of Forty Four North because they had some other beer that was like some crazy super hopped. Well, no, I think I'm just reading Super Hopper over there. That's why. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Um, but it was only available in a can, which I was, you know, I was, I just wanted a couple of tap beers. So, and I, I've had their 44 North before at that bar that we go to in Menominee, the Stout Pub. So I don't know. It was, it was a, was a, it the hop dumpster? Yeah. Yeah. Hop dumpster. I got to try that one. Um, but yeah, that's what I was up to lately. What about you, man? 
Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to be talking about it in just a second here. Um, but I uh, took the, what did you call it, the um, sad saltine pilsner, and uh, <laughs> I tried to I tried to make it a little less sad. No salt saltine. Right. Oh, is that what this is? That's, that's what this is. Oh. Uh, same beer, tastes a little different. Oh. So we'll did be, you throw some salt in it? Yeah, I did. I just you like did not. Just, just handfuls of kosher salt, man. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, also, did uh, brewed up the um, uh, was it the the American Amber that we created last week on the show. Um, awesome. So that is in the fermenter now, as well as a redemption brew of a pilsner. Um, and then the double went into a keg. So yes, you must atone for your your <laughs> beer brewing mistakes. Yes, I must. I must. Uh, Justin, what about you? What have you been up to, man? Um, kind of like Brian, checked out a couple of other breweries recently. Um, went to Tin Whiskers on a date night. Had a great time visiting there, and then checked out a, a brand new one that just opened this last week in uh, St. Paul, just by CHS Field, a, a metronome. Spelt a little different, and they have like a gnome slash metronome. Like a gnome, like starting with a G? Like happy gnome? Yeah, they, they cut the G out, though, and the whole thing is a music vibe. So okay. the proceeds are going back into the local music scene. It started by two guys who've had a career in music. It's gorgeous, gorgeous awesome. tap room. Uh, but less than a week, just opened up. So. Is, that a, is that a, Anthony, is it a portmanteau? Like we need a uh, metronome? Or? Metro, I, oh. That'd be a pun. A pun, yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, portmanteau is when you smash two words together. I mean, did they not do that? It, no, it's spelled like gnome? a metronome. Like oh, yeah, the, I, mean, the I thought counter. it was metro gnome. No, they didn't do that. Oh, oh. They it, just have it oh, look kind oh, of like a gnome. way cooler. Yeah, no. Whatever. And they had like a little gnome guy who was like, ha hello. And he's kind of except his head wielding looks like a, a metronome also. It's obviously so the, it was his, his class was barred. You know, the gnome. Oh, good point. So, that sounds a like a bard. nightmare. You have a <laughs> metronome head. <laughs> I mean, think about a gnome's head anyway. Yeah. Triangular. Yeah, pointy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they could have really the run The constant this. ticking would get to me. Oh, like, oh, my God. Is that why they have the, the, the cone hats? Yeah. Because their heads are <laughs> their shaped heads like are this? Because they're, they're smuggling a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> different podcast. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else, Justin? No, no. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's get into uh, the hopefully less sad Pilsner. Yeah. Um, it is so uh, the two the two big things that uh, we talked about last week is there was no bitterness and there was massive amounts of sulfur. Mm. Um, so I did two things to try to remedy that. One, I picked up some iso alpha ec- uh, extract. Mm-hmm. And um, if you look on the Blinder Studios Instagram, you can see I was dosing different levels to try to dial in uh, the bitterness. And um, so I dosed the keg with that, let that sit for um, a couple of days, and that really um, added a little bit of bitterness. And then I threw a spunding valve on the keg um, and ran gas through the beer post to try to off-gas some of the sulfur. Uh, let that sit for wow. five, ten minutes, and yeah. This is this is where we're at now. Um, clarity is honestly a little better than it was last week. Sure, I think is. it's just settled. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, taste and talk. Uh, yeah, notably less sulfur. Uh, smells like beer, which is yeah, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> has a it has a distinct beer flavored or beer scent to mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm getting a little bit more of the lager character now, like the yeast character, because mm-hmm. of the sulfur. Because the sulfur gone. is kind of gone. I'm not really noticing any of the ISO 
but so it the the problem with the ISO is it doesn't really come through in the aroma. So the aroma is always going to be a little lacking on that. Okay, this is, it's oh my gosh, it still finishes like a cracker, but right before it, it turns into unsalted cracker, and then at and at the end it it's, it feels a little more robust. Like mm-hmm. there's a little bit more to it. Um, so I think that ISO. It, it yeah, helped, but it, it, there's there's a there's there's some sort of bitterness there now. Um, I didn't want to go overboard because you can get solventy with it. Yeah, I don't I don't not like the the cracker flavor to it, but I do still feel like there could be more more depth. Like you know, yeah. like I said last time, choose, choose a, a an exotic floor malted, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and run with that rather than I don't what did, what was the base on this again? Uh, Vireman pills. Gosh, that's about the best in my mind. I yep. was going to suggest the, the Vireman um, floor malted. Yeah, but. so I, I rebrewed this um, and the wort, uh, and essentially all I did was, uh, well, I, I did a couple of things. I added some gypsum to make the hops pop a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and then I doubled the uh, the hop bill. Okay. Um, and the the wort tasted way better than it did from I, the first one. And I then, just feel like I'm getting more lager character today, too. Like, lager yeast character. Yeah, I mean, off-gassing all that sulfur, I think, has helped a ton. Yeah, but also, you know, three-sip rule, and you taste on different days, you're gonna get different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like everything else. But would you call this improved? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's cool that you were able to, like, uh, improve it, you know, in a post-brew situation. Yeah, I was able so. to salvage it. Uh, thanks for Bjorn, uh, or thanks to Bjorn for sending in the, uh, the hey, dummy, do this uh, message, <laughs> which was fantastic. We always appreciate Bjorn's messages. And yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of times where he sends them and I see that it's, like, as long as a book and I have to wait <laughs> to, to, to read it when I have some time to actually sit down and really kind of think about it critically. So we always appreciate Bjorn. We appreciate all the listeners. If you guys want to send us a message, you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. That uh, will take our commercial calibration spot today. Uh, and we're going to dive right into talking about oxygen-free transfers. Um, this was uh, sent in to us uh, via mouth by... Uh, uh, you guys just did the uh, Brewviews podcast, and the host there suggested this. I yes, believe. he did. Aaron Black. Yeah, um, uh, he, sent, he sent me an email. I need to. I forgot to respond to it. I got to get yeah, on that. Check uh, check out his his podcast Brewviews, and you can listen to the Hop and Barrel episode, which I believe has dropped already. Yeah, uh, you guys did great on there. It Thank was you. informative. It was fun. Yeah, it's. Thank I, you. It, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else <laughs> to tried, say. There. Yeah, we we tried to do like you know whenever we've had to tell us the story like hundreds of times, and so it, it sometimes it gets tedious. But like the way that it, like Aaron's interview style made it like a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he's definitely a knowledgeable home brewer, and he has he brought two really nice home brews that I was very impressed with. He had a Meritzen and then a wheat beer that was fresh hop. Uh, or wet hop, one of the two, but it was really good. Had some neat, neat qualities. Awesome. All right. So, Brian, what do we mean by oxygen-free transfer? Well, so just off the dome, man. Off the dome, you want to transfer the um, wort into the fermenter, or I'm sorry, the um, it'd be beer at that point, right? Yeah, the, I'm sorry, the the beer into the the serving keg without any kind of oxygen touching it or no no open loops like if it's in a you know if it's in a bottling bucket you're not taking the lid off and putting the auto siphon in it kind of a situation okay mm-hmm. 
All right. That's um, a really basic way. No, I mean, that, no, that's that's good. Like we're basically we're uh, we're we're minimizing and I guess uh, completely eliminating the exposure to oxygen while transferring from fermenter to the next vessel, be it keg, um, bottle, what have you. Oh, I think it'd be really hard to do it without. I don't know how you would bottle close, but that's yeah. Never mind. I don't. I mean, other than doing a blanket of CO2, you can't really yeah, have a total oxygen. Yeah, they probably, I don't know, they'd have to make some kind of, like, fitting that, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, and it'd have to, like, expand. Uh, that's that's a whole yeah, different, yeah. like, <laughs> thought process. Um, yeah, so to, to the ne- whatever next closed vessel uh, you're moving into. Yes. Right. Um, what are the benefits of doing this? Because, I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit of this, this uh, later, but it's a lot more work than just doing your normal transfer, especially at the homebrew level. Yeah. Um, you guys have, you know, hard piping and everything, and it makes things a little easier um, and, I mean, necessary to do um, things like that at the close or at the, at the professional level. At the homebrew level, it's, I mean, we have a plastic bucket. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I mean, there's a couple options. I, I'm thinking back on when I was homebrewing more. I, it's something I didn't really jump into. I looked at a few things for it. Um, I was doing some browsing before the show here, and I do see that Anvil has a handy-dandy little... You still have to get the COT, CO2 keg for the transfer, mm-hmm. but they have all the piping and fittings you need if you were doing a corny keg as a little package they sell, which is kind of nifty. Um, if you use a spunding valve, there's kind of an interesting trick you can do, and you could do it in other ways, too. If you pressurize both the fermentation vessel and your keg to the same pressure, attach the hoses, um, and then start leaking the pressure out of the keg, you'll just create an imbalance and the beer will naturally auto-siphon in. What kind of PSI would you want to be at? Probably around like three to five, something like that? Something low. I would say low and slow. Yeah, I would say uh, like serving pressure, right? It's kind of probably more, yeah, so like three three to five. Three to five, Probably not in excess of five. And I, to be, I've never tried that. It's a method I've seen done. But, but what if I, like, really want to get it done, Brian, and just crank it up to 30? Like, wouldn't it just go fast then? No. Probably break just... your carboy. <laughs> <laughs> These are questions. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. For those of you who can't see right now, the look Brian just gave Casey. Yes. <laughs> it's a dumb thing. Don't do it. Um, especially, like, so uh, it, when you're working with, like, closed uh, stainless... Um, and like these, uh, like I know they make, um, they make like sealable, like PET fermenters now, um, that are all plastic and stuff. But I, I mean, I have like the brew buckets that I have bought because of this episode, I bought a bunch of crap to do, um, oxygen free transfers because, well, I'm dedicated to you guys, I guess. God, you all you can do is make me spend money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, did you, did you not say that you said something to me? Where Bjorn sent the the message and and then you said Bjorn's always sending messages about solutions that cost money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So like, if you if you overpressurize a you know a vessel, uh, it can explode or fail catastrophically. I believe is the correct term. Jeez, yes. Yeah. So this is definitely something you want to have a little little knowledge of what your vessels can handle. And I, I 
you know, more risk with the glass carboys, but I'm assuming they can handle a little pressure. I would, I don't know if I'd even try this with a plastic one. I think you could rupture them pretty easily, but with Well, less. so also with the, with a plastic one, you're not going to, you're really not going to get an airtight seal unless, unless you have a gasketed lid. And even then, and it's even gonna then be, it's going to be iffy because yeah. they, they just, they bend so much. Mm, right on. So, um, and this, this goes without saying, I, I guess just you probably put this together, but the only type of transfer this really makes sense for is if you're transferring into a, a pony keg for serving. Yeah, no cor- a corny, yeah. corny yeah. keg, Cornelius, or with the with the uh, the you know CO two post and the serving post. Um, yeah, but like Justin was saying, you want both vessels. Or I don't know who was saying, Casey, somebody was. Both vessels need to be <clears throat> equal equal pressure. Um, you know, add the add the line to the keg or the vessel you're going to push into the keg. I, I, I'm thinking about this in my head. I'm thinking like you want a clear jumper line with some sani in it so you can see, you know, when which direction or when the liquid is kind of moving um, to connect those to the liquid posts. And then that'll allow it to fill from the bottom up. If that's the type of corner you're using, because there are some of the, that have the that what floating dip the float tube. the float dip. And so I, I would say I don't know if you can really do this with a float. You would could lay it on its side, and then you'd get less splashing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if the keg is is purged, then so how do all right? So I guess let's let's take a step back. Um, how do we how do we make sure that there's nothing but CO two in our keg? purge it and pull the pull the ring and so um that uh, that's i mean or yeah. may or keep it open on the one side and make sure it's blowing off so uh what what i've what i've what i've read in in my research is uh everyone says to fill your fill your keg full of sani okay and then um just push all the sani out with co2 into like another keg and so you just kind of jump it down the line that makes sense. Um, and then you then you know for sure that there's no air in your in your keg. Jeez, man. So now it sounds like we need to have two corny kegs. Which is, I mean, the rule for kegs is the many you have plus one. Mm. Like you all, <laughs> you always need one more keg. Again, this solution sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I have six kegs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just staring at yeah. like, Someone's ready for this. <laughs> So this should should this be done with a spunding valve then, or can we get away with? I so I think I think you want to use a spunding, um, and I would say so. We, so we keep throwing around the term spunding valve. A spunding valve is basically a outlet valve that, at a set pressure, it like it releases um, it releases the pressure in the yeah. vessel. So you can technically carbonate, you know, like with the byproduct of fermentation is half half CO2 and half alcohol, roughly. And so that gets us to, uh, could get to a fully carbonated beer, depending on how we adjust that spunding valve, how much gas we let out or let stay in the solution. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, you, you would put a, you, so you would put like a spunding on the outpost of the of the vessel that you're transferring into yeah. after, after you've purged out all the, all the sani. Um, and then you would uh, have, and like, so you could do this with a single setup. I ended up buying another uh, regulator 
So for oh, a second tank, and then the more money was spent, and more money was spent. Yeah. Oh. Well, also because like I, I'm tired of having to force carb in the fridge. Like I want to be able to force I, carb. I I like, it's just. So I was like, how about we just burn some money? And like, yeah. I was sorry, I made a little fire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> made a little fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you, you'll set that to your to your push pressure, uh, which was Brian was saying. You know, no more than five. Really, like I mean, you you want it one more than one atmo, I would think. So two, three. Yeah, I'd I'd say play with it, but. I, I bet it's not over five. It's just my... Mm-hmm. Well, and you can use some gravity assist a little bit, too. Like, um, And then, yeah, you just you go until it's full. So the only other thing you have to, you have to be careful with is know exactly how much uh, beer is in your fermenter and how much is going into the keg because uh, you don't want a, a beer to start coming out of your gas post, well, which it, it will do. Yeah, it will, and then you're going to run into another problem, which is you've got trube at the bottom of this vessel, and you're, you can potentially clog up the works on the on the gas post, mm-hmm. which is a real bitch. Those things are, you know. Yeah, it turns out uh, if you start opening up the uh, the gas post on the keg after all the beer's in there, it's no longer oxygen-free. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no way. So you just completely ruined your entire day. Your beer's ruined. You might as well dump it. You just burned a bunch of money wasting. You might as well just dump it. Yeah, just just dump it. Just forget about it. Just throw it out in the yard. Whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's there's definitely some things to to look out for. Um, And you can do this with basically any vessel that you can get a seal on um, and have some, some way of getting the beer out and gas in. So you're saying... I didn't have to do the suck on the hose method and let gravity take over. I mean, I don't know the last. would suck on the hose. Justin, like, (laughs) they they invented (laughs) auto siphons for a reason, man. (laughs) You're the farmer siphon. I've sucked on a few hoses. (laughs) (laughs) Big deal. I just dumped it. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, looked, like, put the keg in the bathtub and just guessed. Oh, boy. Give me. You made sure you're in the bathtub too, huh? <laughs> I I did do that one time. I, there was a time when I was a something too hoppy, and uh, I stirred up a little too much during transfer, and I wasn't going to stop and let it settle. So, got as much as I could, then just just poured the rest. Yeah. In. poured the rest in the keg. I, I, uh, I think we've all. I think we've all. We're yeah, all a little guilty taking of taking some bullshit shortcuts just yeah. to get her done. Well, especially like you, for whatever reason, you give yourself too little time, and you're trying to like squeeze it in between uh, different things, things yeah. and then you take some really dumb, dumb things, and yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of oxygen-free transfer. Is there anything you guys want to talk about um, with it? Like, no, I mean. There's you. You guys have the Google machine, so you can kind of Google like where and what other little get yeah. you know gadgets you could get, or you know kind of check out. Uh, they kind of call out in some of these articles. They call out a few of the um, you know fermenters and things that you can buy that would work well with these sorts of transfers. Yeah. So you know what to um, do. Yeah, I've I've seen it done with uh, like modified plastic bucket lids. Um, mm-hmm. I would stay away from doing it in glass. I like I don't like glass fermenters to begin with. Yeah, and sounds, sounds yeah. like a dangerous Just a safety thing. That yeah. exploding and, time. And those things are inconsistent. Some of them that too, especially some of them are durable and last forever. And others you kick yeah. them the wrong way. I would shattered. definitely also not f around using a demijohn because 
at at the you know that demijohn glass is like window pane thin. It's you know. So basically, unless you're working with a stainless conical type for plastic, yep. yeah, yeah, stainless or plastic or something that's not going to kill you if it explodes. Was that firm Firmzilla? Was that Firmzilla? Oh, the old Blickman ones. Mm, I don't know. Whatever. Google it. Um, but anyway, those oh, look, the the conical fermenter. Yeah, those are kind of cool and had yep. probably what type of fittings. Did you do this? Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all tri clamp. It looks like mm. and plastic. Yes, very neat. Cool. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of all I got. So why don't we get out of here? If I can find the right buttons, hit those buttons, dude. There's so many buttons. Why would they give there me are this a many lot buttons? Of buttons over there? <laughs> Whose idea was this? Yours, dude. I thought you just said you touch it and don't actually press anything. <laughs> For the music I do. <laughs> Only when Brian says something, then I wave the hand over it and make him feel better. <laughs> you have children, Justin. You should understand. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and just an email at feedback at blindnessstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnessstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blindnessscoreninja. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.